Welcome to The High-Low. We're the pop culture podcast that mixes the high and the low. Flippant and serious, often cheery, but sometimes angry, bookish and bawdy. (laughs) Just like the women who host it. I'm Pandora Sykes. And I'm Dolly Alderton. And both together and separately, we really live the philosophy of this podcast, which is founded on the tenet of high-low journalism, spawned by Tina Brown, the Vanity Fair editor in the 80s, to denote a woman or man who enjoys everything from the trivial to the political, the errant chin hair to the Trumpian politics. So basically, it's a smorgasbord of delights across everything from the lowbrow to the highbrow. That's that's what we're going to be bringing today. I think we've today. managed to say so many words without defining at all what it is. No, no, we have. A smorgasbord of delights. A banquet of culture. Do you know a banquet of culture that I experienced recently, Pandora? Is this a neat segue into my 30th? Your 30th birthday party on Saturday. Pandora was a vision in acid yellow satin and uh, no undies. I don't know if you can be a vision in acid yellow satin. You looked amazing. You just wanted to to talk about my... um, Underwear, or uh, lack thereof. Everyone at the party kept saying, doesn't Pandora look amazing? Imagine if I wore that. Every single woman <laughs> said that to me. And I said, I know, I would look like Big Bed. <laughs> anyway, your 30th, did you have a lovely time? I did have a lovely time. I always find hosting quite stressful. The only time I haven't found hosting stressful was at my wedding, which is nice. I suppose that's the, the right way yeah. around. But you're, you're always terrified. Everyone that said thank you, I was going, but was it fun? I'm sorry, I think it was a bit boring. You did do that to everyone. And ev- <laughs> what, Do you know everyone there? No, it was adorable. I saw you every, when everyone was leaving. It was very cute oh did I do it at the end I did it in text as well the next day (laughs) was it all right sorry it was boring anyway so it um, was fun all round it was fun all round I had Um, a great time I know I felt like you left earlier than you normally would i.e the bitter end (laughs) i.e Pandora standing on the street begging me to stay till 5am um yes I did because now I am going to share this and I don't normally share bodily matters that are personal um I had the worst period of my life I think have you still got it this weekend is it still Sorry about with us? that. Oh no, Charlie doesn't look too. Our male producer isn't looking too horrified. Good, he's a feminist. <laughs> yeah, it was awful. It was, I think, the worst period I've had since I was a teenager. Normally, I'm kind of clouded with a horrible fog of hormones, where I just become entirely nihilistic. What's the point in living? I'm under a duvet for two days. I'm incredibly Did sad. Do you do online shopping? No, I just do crying and I think about death. Aww. It's very sad. I don't get angry, I just get very, very depressed. And I bypassed that completely this month. And I just had total debilitating physical pain. Vomiting, stomach cramps, really, really bad stomach, you. pain in my back, dragging pain in my legs. It was awful, so have that's you, why I had to leave Have you early. tried Feminax? I don't think oh, it's... Oh, yeah, this. mate, I've gone past Feminax. Yeah, I don't think it's particularly good, but no, I I'm, get told that. I'm lucky that we've... Well, you should um, tap her up. We've got Sophie Wilkinson, the uh, journalist who's also a friend of ours. She's sort of my unpaid gynaecologist. If you have any feminine troubles, go to Sophie Wilkinson and she'll Is tell she quite you. obsessed? She's great. She gave me a great... It's called Mepha something acid. Methadone. She, Methadone. <laughs> Methadone, she said. Just, <laughs> just bang a few lines of that and then you'll feel fine. Um, and that helped. But the reason I'm telling this story is not just a folkloric tale of the feminine mystique. Um, it's because... <laughs> so poetic. Your periods are so poetic. It's because we read a story this week yeah, that, a really was, horrible one. that was very sad about... Um, the availability of sanitary products to teenage girls and younger, actually. And so, particularly um, from low-income households. Yes, and I think 
I would have felt empathetic about that reading anyway. But given the horrific period that I've had this month, it made me feel even more like how awful that must be for people who don't have access to it as easily as we do so have you got the story you've got the story yeah there, so there's um well i screenshotted you something earlier but there's actually been a few reports of it so basically a funding appeal has been launched after a police officer who was working at a school in leeds discovered that a large number of female pupils again from these from these low-income households were truanting because they were unable to buy products for you know during their periods they were unable they couldn't afford to buy sanitary towels and tampons which is said i mean this is really this really blows my mind. Said to cost in the region of £20,000 over a woman's lifetime. £20,000 on tampons. It's absolutely extraordinary. Mm. Anyway, so Sarah Barry, who is the Safer Schools Officer for West Yorkshire Police, told The Independent that she had established that many girls were relying on teachers to provide them with sanitary products. Whilst, yeah, that's extraordinary. Whilst that, others... I, I kind of like, though, that there is at least that... that Compassion. Safe, yeah, yeah, that's safe space. While others are opting not to attend school at all for several days a month. A large number of students were asking us for sanitary products in schools. A lot of teachers were buying them out of her own pocket and it goes on with various personal stories. Now this is the kind of thing that you would expect probably to read in a third world country. Mm. I, I would not I would not have guessed that this was something happening in our own country. And it does bring that whole debate back to the fore about tampon tax. Yeah, that they should be free. They're still classed as a you know luxury item. Luxury item. And I think, you know, it's unthinkably humiliating for these young girls. If you think it's hard enough as it is oh my God, to be getting, a teenager. Yeah, having you your know. period when you're a teenager is now, we can be open about it, but I remember when I first got it when I was 12, I did not want to tell my friends. I told no. a few people and I told my mum and I did not want to talk about it and I was I was embarrassed. No, but think about it even now. Like, I'm a feminist who's, you know, a year and a half away from being 30 and I still turn around to look at our male producer to see if he'd killed over when I mentioned my period. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's still... And if I feel that, how awful must it be for you know girls I know girls who were 10 when they got their periods and can you imagine having to go yeah, through that little. and have and not being able to not being able to leave the house because you have nothing you know that's not a luxury item a sanitary towel or a tampon is a necessity to function yeah and it just all stems from this incredibly damaging attitude that menstruation is this sort of dirty embarrassing thing that happens sort of behind closed doors and the only time that we're comfortable seeing or talking about vaginas is in the context of one being pounded in porn (laughs) sickly that's what it all that's the attitude though and it's it's awful it's actually we didn't talk about it last week and I did post it on the High Lows Twitter you can follow us at the High Lows show we put a lot of stuff up we're both pretty good at sharing stuff that we've read listened to watched that we love and I actually did tweet that I was surprised but quite glad because it fits well into the context of this week surprised that we forgot to mention Meghan Markle's piece about periods and shame last week so Prince Harry's girlfriend who's obviously not just Prince Harry's girlfriend but we know Meghan Markle in the UK probably as Prince Harry's girlfriend but she's also an actress in the drama Suits and she's a sort of activist in in ways that we're learning anyway she wrote this I think really brilliant letter called How Periods Affect Potential and just to read you a little bit out you can you can read the whole thing online but imagine a world where the female leaders we revere never achieve their full potential because they dropped out of school at the age of 13 in the western world this is challenging to fathom although not really based on what we've read this week but for millions of young women globally this remains their harsh reality from sub-saharan Africa to India Iran and several other countries the stigma surrounding menstruation 
sanitation and lack of access to proper sanitation directly inhibit young women from pursuing an education. Former First Lady Michelle Obama spoke directly about the subject to the World Bank in April 2016 and various NGOs actively seek out policy reform. I'm so glad Michelle Obama spoke about that. We do need mm. more people. Even You know, even Meghan Markle talking mm. about it. Mm. Um, it's a really great letter and I'm really glad she's written it because I think it's really relevant to this conversation. The other thing that I saw in the last week, sometimes it just shows that falling down an Instagram hole can be great. I landed somehow on the profile of this 17-year-old American singer called Madeline Beer, who is Justin Bieber's protégé. I don't know how Christ, she's... Pandora. I, I mean... I know, very young. But no, but it's really interesting. She had put up a picture of her like hugging her boyfriend in mm. the sea wearing a white bikini and she has bled through her bikini and she's 17 I would not have had the wherewithal to do this no Christ and no. it had been obviously photographed all over the paparazzi loads of people have been like oh my god she totally knew she had her period so she showed it off to get like publicity and she was like guys who in their right fucking mind mm. would say to their boyfriend pick me up so I can show it off and she put on her Instagram she Instagrammed it of her own volition this is so wild that this is a big deal to some people girls get their periods girls bleed through tampons because periods can be extremely unpredictable if you're saying it's gross uncleanly you should probably get your head out of your ass and focus on bigger damn issues than someone having a period stain I'm not a robot I'm human and I am proud is this Bieber's girlfriend you said? no it's his protege who's like 17 oh. she's a singer and she's got like 9 million followers on her Instagram Good on her. yeah I thought really 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 cool of her to do that. Very cool. Yeah. So what can we do about it? You can... Stop having periods. You can stop having periods. (laughs) You dirty beast. Stop talking about it all the time. (laughs) Um, You can donate to the research fund itself which has been founded off the back of this story, which is www.gofundme.com forward slash freedom for girls. I think that's with a for the number four. There's also a huge lack of sanitary products for homeless women. Extraordinarily, shelters are given an allocated budget to buy products such as condoms, um, but not sanitary products. It's all the same it's all the same place. <laughs> exactly. There's a charity called thehomelessperiod.com. They started a petition that got well over 100,000 signatures and it was raised in Parliament, which is a lesson to us all. Sign petitions, they do matter. And if you visit the website, you can find out more about that and you can find out more information about where you can donate actual boxes of sanitary products directly. Oh, definitely do that. I seem yeah. to have an absolute surface. Yeah, exactly. It's so products. easy to do it. We all should just pick up a Yeah, no, 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 absolutely, rather than just being woke, as we often talk about. What else has been happening this week? Oh, unlikely love affair, Pamela Anderson and Julia Assange. 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 She's been visiting him in the Ecuadorian embassy, as we can see by this sort of, like, really sassy pitch of her and a song. Like, really kind of, like hair everywhere wearing these sunglasses kind of on the on the Ecuadorian embassy's doorstep and she also wrote this hilarious mad entry on her blog I don't understand why she has a blog I presume because she's, she's established. the best anyway it's called her. her blog post is called My Julian and she posted it six days ago and um, I'm just going to read you a little bit Julian Assange is the most intelligent interesting and informed man in existence yes I think he's quite sexy he has tremendous strength and stamina though vulnerable Hard to imagine him that way, as capable as he is. But he is up against the biggest superpowers in the world. I've spent enough time with him to be absolutely sure of his intentions. They are good ones. He is on the side of every civilian. And on it goes. It's actually written like a poem. I was trying oh, to yeah, read I was about it. To say it. It's, it's like a poem. It's written like a poem and I was trying to read it like a poem. It's basically insane. Are you surprised that they are lovers? If they're lovers? I wasn't actually, because I'm, I'm a big fan of Pammy Andy. <laughs> and um, she's a pretty woke woman. It just doesn't work when I use that word, does it? No. It doesn't ever sound natural. Um, she's done a lot of stuff for animal rights. She's a Peter ambassador. Yeah, she Peter. was a sort of muse in a Morrissey music video a couple of years ago. Does that make her woke? 
Yeah, I think so, because I think that they bonded over their whole meet is murder thing. Um, she wrote a really interesting piece for the Wall Street Journal last year, which I think we talked about on um, our last podcast, slamming pornography and calling for an end uh, to pornography. So I'm sure she and Julian have uh, chewed the fat of some very big and challenging issues over a mocker. I'm not surprised at all. I'm not really that fond of her choice and potential romantic partner, though. I mean, Julian Assange has not only sort of tentatively pledged allegiance to Donald Trump, but from his little cupboard in the embassy, he's also been accused of sexual assault in Sweden. Um, mm. Yeah, I didn't, didn't. He's nice. Quite funny. Our friend Sophie Wilkinson. Sophie gets so many shout outs. Can she sponsor the podcast? <laughs> Um, Sophie no, Wilkinson no, sponsored by Sophie, Sophie Wilkinson. Oh my God, she's going to lose her proverbial. Our, our friend Sophie Wilkinson tweeted um, above a picture of Pamela Anderson because of her choice of partner. She tweeted, can you undo your preteen wanks asking for a friend? <laughs> I just quite love these unlikely pairings. I think it's, um, I put this in the same category as Marilyn Monroe and Arthur Miller. Yeah, that's always a mad one. I think it just shows that all like Steve Coogan and Courtney Love. I just think it shows... Was that the happiest ending? No, I don't think so. I just think ultimately it shows that we fall in love with brains and souls overlooks Pandora. Other interesting stories that people suggested, actually, if anyone's looking for more probing topics, is um, the broadcaster Jenny Murray and her controversial views on trans people. Jack Munro versus Katie Hopkins. Jack won. Um, Did you see that? The stuff Mm. about that case. Mm. Um, And also an Atlantic piece which someone tweeted us, which we will tweet out, called Why is Silicon Valley still so awful to women? Which is, again, also obviously an interesting topic. On to what we've been reading, and in my case, watching listening to this week I was very hungover the day after my 30th and, and quite I, right too I did a extraordinary amount of um telly and Netflix watching which I'm oddly proud about because I don't do it very often so I felt like I'd really accomplished something I watched the entire of Santa Clarita Diet which is a Netflix series with Drew Barrymore where she plays a suburban zombie my god it's gory and oh, that's I, my idea of hell watching that yeah i don't think you'd like it and then i also watched bbc's killing it i watched the replacement which was brilliant last episode last night which was shit first two were great um <laughs> i gen tv critic darling i really want you to see it because i think i i honestly think they lost part of the script oh, yeah, yeah, you know when the end is suddenly yeah. like oh what you saw the hilos tweet yeah saw that <laughs> saw the hilos tweet. and also i've been watching um clique or click as they say in America which is for anyone who likes Donna Tartt's A Secret History most women it's pretty basic isn't it and also Prep my favourite book by Curtis Sittenfeld then you will like such a throwdown of like a seminal book it's a throwdown of myself no because loving A Secret History is like loving atonement which I wrote my dissertation on okay and it's like it's like reading Shantaram on your gap year which I did I'm implicit Dolly okay that's fine throw yourself under the bus yeah but I really want you to watch Clique You've read, you've watched a bit and you're so not sure. So I watched sure. a little bit. Is it because they're too young? You only like old people. That's so funny. I've realised about myself that I'm so extraordinarily self-absorbed that I basically have no interest in human experience if I've already done it. That's <laughs> I'm only better, interested though. in it. You'll get a wider... I'm only interested in now and older than me. Like I did a writer's room. I'm only last... interested in younger than me. I have no interest. I have no interest in what younger people are doing. I did, I did a writer's room last year with a load of female telly writers and all of them were like, oh, I just want to be writing about teenagers and I was like I cannot think of anything well that's good you're a I'd rare I'd like to write about less you're a rare gem um, but I did like I did like it I just 
Yeah, okay, so she didn't really like it. Um, I also had to drive to Cambridge and back yesterday, so I was in the car for four hours, and I listened to a ton of podcasts, which I tweeted out that Dolly had recommended. So I listened to Grace Coddington on Alec Baldwin's Here's the Thing. I listened to the Guilty Feminist podcast, which is really fucking good, We're actually. fucking obsessed yeah, with it. Yeah, that is the best the best one I've um, listened to, and it's not like a... F- I feel like when you say it's a feminist podcast, it sounds so onerous but it's so is it onerous or onerous not sure okay well either of the above and i also late to the party listened to davina mccall's amazing desert island discs if you listen to that one very moving god yeah. but she very keeps moving. it together through the, just the most mm. you know and then when you hear her sisters died I just her talking about addiction i found very poignant i found her talking about her mother mm. when i love how kirsty young really like she doesn't even at any point go i'm sorry is this too hard she gives a moment and then she i mean she's a queen interviewer yeah um and dolly's obviously interviewed her before she's had the privilege of meeting but she said what was the you know what was the moment what's the worst example you can think of when you were younger of your mother humiliating she goes "Uh, I remember going out with my mother she had this electric blue floor length coat and she just opened it up and flashed men and as men showed an interest in her I got more defensive and protective but there was me needing protection but I was protective over Mm. my mother and I was so confused Kirsty goes how old are you and she goes I was 10 10 Mm. or 11 you Um, must listen to it all the desert island discs are all on the archive to listen to free so you should listen to all of them this week is also phenomenal have you listened to that Marianne Keys she was another fantastic another one who spoke about depression and and addiction with great eloquence and and it ends on such a lovely high autumn when she suddenly realised that it was autumn and she was feeling joyful Um, there are some really great podcasts that are being made at the moment and and do you know what I feel like everyone's really looking for great podcasts at the moment and and women women are killing it always recommend them because also do you find that I start off loving one and then I just go off it there's a few that I've gone off that are too long now. I don't have an hour and a half to yeah. listen to a podcast. So I've sort of lost my way with some and then discovered new ones. And Desert Island Disc is good. It's, it's very... Great. 40 minutes. Is it 40 minutes? Yeah. I think they're about 32. Oh, maybe still. I mean, anyway. it's a, a, a pedant's point, that, isn't it? Um, and, that really adds something to the And also there's a great piece in Red Magazine, an interview with Chimamanda Ngozin Adichie, also a friend of Dolly's actually did the interview with her. She speaks really interestingly on obviously many topics and I love the line which says the idea that femininity and feminism are mutually exclusive is nonsense. So she's just talking about the idea that women can wear lipstick and heels and it's got nothing to do with their feminist credentials. So that's by Alex King and that's in Red Magazine this month and it's bloody brilliant. Yeah, you can't read it online. You've got to buy it, Stinjos. So I am reading the late actor and famous drinker Oliver Reed's autobiography called Read All About It. It's a rambunctious read. (laughs) I've been waiting to say that all week. Um, I'm about 50 pages in, um, but his childhood alone has already been full of more drinking and rolling about with naked girls than I've done in my entire lifespan. Rolling about with naked girls? Uh, yep. Um, <laughs> it's a brilliant book and he's a fabulous raconteur, which translates, which anyone who's watched clips of him drunk on uh, Aspel and other 70s and 80s chat shows, drunk, will I thought know. you just said anyone who's seen clips of him drunk on Aspinall. No, no, <laughs> on Aspel. It's, he's, um, he's just a great raconteur and he's kind of very macho but also very vulnerable and he's very funny and very flamboyant so it's a really really good memoir so that's what I've been reading and I've also been watching Love on Netflix I don't know how this bypassed me Sunday could have been made so much better by some love I don't um, know I don't know what you'll feel about it well my friend Lucy's just loved the first series why would I not like it 
because I think there's... Is it too complicated? No, I think there's a kind of... It's come into its own in series two. This is a Judd Apatow creation. He's brilliant. He's behind girls. He's behind... I don't know why you think I wouldn't like it then. Um, Because I think their chemistry is quite off. I think they're incompatible as actors. And you know I'm determined to like it now. Just to prove a point to me. It's not even intentional, it's just the way I'm hardwired. I think you'll like it because it's set in LA, which I always find a very interesting... So she thinks I'll like it now, listeners. She's, I think... she's sort of done a, a vault fast, they call I it, in France. I think you'll like it in that the backdrop is very interesting. I think you'll love Gillian Jacobs. She's one of the most charming and beautiful actresses around. Um, All right, don't spoil it, then I'll go and watch it for myself. But... I would be interested to hear what our listeners think of it because I think only in series two have they become vaguely believable as Can a Can I watch series one on Netflix? Yes. Okay, so I'll go watch that and next week we can talk about it and do tweet us and let us know what you think and do prove Dolly wrong. Clearly she thinks she's the only person cerebral enough to understand it. Oh my God. On to the meme that launched a thousand memes. This is a joyful story. This is a, this is a real favourite. You're probably all familiar now with the BBC pundit Professor Kelly. So If um, you put in Professor now... Into Google, Robert one. Kelly comes up immediately. Oh my God, poor bloody man. He's been so graceful about the whole thing. I so know. The, he was being interviewed about the impeachment. I mean, this is, it's, it's like, oh, it's a really funny meme. He was, being, he was being interviewed about the impeachment of a South Korean president when his daughter, Marion, who's four, and his baby son, James, in a walker aged nine months, glided in. Shifting sands in the region, do you think relations with the North may change? Um, I would be surprised if they do. The, um, pardon me. Pardon me. My apologies. What was this going to be for the region? My apologies. North, uh, sorry. I came home late last night at about 11pm and my dad, uh, I, I went to my parents' house and my dad was like, oh my God, look, look, look at the telly, have you seen this? And I was like, mate, you're so behind. <laughs> it's been roaring through the news the last week. <laughs> anyway, it's also spawned some really great second tier memes. It's, as I said, the meme that's, that's that spawned a billion other memes. Um, so there's a when you try to work from home meme and it's just Professor Kelly that. closing his eyes whilst the baby goes... Mm into the room um there's a telegraph one a political cartoon which dolly likes so much she instagrammed to great aplomb it's so good various it's it's theresa may playing robert kelly staring resolutely at the webcam with a map behind her ignoring philip hammond who's sort of swaggering in (laughs) with his budget lunchbox whatever it's called that red thing um and then boris johnson's in the the walker of course he's always the giant baby i think it's my favorite political cartoon i've ever seen actually there's a lot of um various politicians have actually been put into the the walker Oh, have um, they? They all get their go. Someone retweeted him going, so some news anchor right at the beginning was like, hi, can you send, like, do you give us permission to use the footage on on telly? And he was like, oh gosh, this isn't one of those things that's going to go viral, is it? Someone retweeted that. So even his tweet about going viral went Went viral, viral. which just got really meta. He gave this great interview. Did you see it a couple of days ago in the New Yorker, him and his wife? It's really sweet. They've done Mm. like a photo shoot to go with it, Mm. um, where he said he thought it was going to be a complete disaster and that no TV network would ever call him again. And now he says rather resignedly, it's the first line of his obituary like it's just going to be um before we get into uh, the discussion about this i would like to know a journalist asked this on facebook the other day and i thought it was a very poignant question and revealing who do you think you Marian. are <laughs> you think that you're the kid swaggering in i think i'm Marion, and i think you're the baby in the walker i'm the baby in the walker i think that you have a touch of the mum sliding in a la tom cruise in risky business oh i forgot i forgot you, yes you, there's a touch of you with the of the frazzled mum of you <laughs> 
<laughs> so I'm the mum coming to rescue you and your walker. You can tell what it's like when we go to parties together. So um, it's been viewed more than 30 million times, and, and that's a statistic from four days yeah, ago. Yeah, that's not even that's not even the new one, is it? Um, and obviously there's been some valid commentary alongside it. We actually retweeted one on the Hilo's account where someone had written, number one, it's his wife, number two, his kids are cute, number three, shit happens. Because a lot of people were speculating that his South Korean wife, who he lives with in South Korea, couldn't possibly be his wife. Uh, she had to be his nanny because presumably he is white and no one could get their head around mm. the fact that he might be married to a South Korean woman, even though he lives in South Korea. But they were pretty cool about it. He, he They said they were they didn't care. They Very were bemused, yeah. bemused by the fact that people thought that she couldn't be his wife, had no interest in sort of leveraging it. Obviously some people were like, yeah, like I bet he got people being like, "Shall I handle the PR for this?" And yeah, he was obviously yeah, yeah. just like, "No, I'm just really deal. glad that someone might broadcast me again because they saw like a uh, guy Goma, you know, the, the wrong guy on the BBC interview. Yeah. Apparently, there's a film You're in development with that. There's a film in development about his life. You told me this a because year of ago. that one incident. You told anyway, me that a year ago. So there was the inevitable backlash. The new statesman swooped in with the first backlash piece Ugh. at impressive speed. The thing is, I've got to be cautious talking about this because I think it might be satire. So the piece was written by media moles Killjoy Spencer. Um, and it said the self-proclaimed and uh, and the thing is it does capture uh, an opinion that I did see online during that that's my opinion that week which so the article read if a woman had done that we wouldn't be sharing the video while wiping tears of laughter from our eyes we'd be knee deep in a tedious discussion about whether she's terrible mother and whether her career of career takes was leading her to ignore the small simple pleasures of watching her child dance like a oh lead. gosh so a few issues I'd, so basically what they're saying is and lots of people were saying this that he, that he sort of batted his daughter yeah, that away he dismisses his children, and right. that it makes it look like she's the one doing all the child care and again sort of the male of the house rules supreme and is living life on the easy setting a few issues I take umbrage with here first of well, that's just not true, that comparison about women. Because do you remember there was that viral video a few years ago with the two little girls singing and the Scottish mother came in? And don't forget all the trouble we got until... Why does somebody not know how to flush a toilet after they've had a shit? For me. Well, it was fucking one of yes. Disgusting! And it was very, it was very funny. But she was hopping mad, angry that woman, and that if any, there was no backlash there. Everyone just found it hilarious. So first of all, that's not true, and also all this father does is a sort of slow blink because he's frustrated, and of course he's frustrated. This could be a career-defining interview, and his kids have interrupted it. He has every right to be annoyed and this is not a disproportional reaction it's an embarrassed slow blink and a gentle push away to he has said he was trying to distract his daughter because there were toys in the room um and i don't think this video exposes anything of the patriarchy i think it shows the messy colorful noisy reality of the problems of co-parenting and interestingly the only people i know have had a problem with this video people without children they're the only people who've complained. Any woman who has I, kids has said this is this is just a reality I'm really of what it's like. I'm really concerned that we live in an age where there's just an op-ed for the sake of an op-ed. Like, I read a piece this week, again, off the back of this, from someone who was made into a meme as a child, and it was like, I think the, the title was My Life as a Child Meme. I mean, it was it's going to sit in the bloody misery memoirs if we aren't careful. And I just think we've got to have some perspective. We don't have children, obviously, but I doubt that I expect to find my children illuminating and glorious at every minute of every day, particularly... Mm. Particularly if I'm doing, as you say, a career-defining interview. They'd probably had this really careful conversation yes, where he exactly. was going, right, well, yeah. you take the kids and I'll record. Is my tie? Is my tie straight? Okay, do you think the lighting's right? Do you think they're going to be able to see me? Oh my God, I'm going on the BBC. Do you think I'm ready? Do you think I'm ready for this? And then his children glide mm. in on a, on a sl- And he's thinking, fuck, I've fucking blown it. So seriously, give the guy a slow bit. I'd have probably snapped around and gone, get the fuck out of it. <laughs> 
<laughs> but also, Everywhere. as you well know, having been on the receiving end of many a drunken and indeed sober rant from me, I'm not <laughs> someone who makes a habit of sweeping to defend straight white men. But I really felt sorry for this guy who, by all accounts, from, from what I can see and what I've read of him and the interviews he's given, just seems like a very and normal also family goes, man. He, goes, he said in the New York Times, I was not shoving Marion out the way. I was trying to slide Marion behind the chair because we have toys and books in that room that I hoped yes, would di- exactly. distract her for the rest of it. Anyway, so they've said neither one of them are interested in politicising this or provoking a um, backlash. 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 I'm also obsessed with the culture of memes in general, why we love them, um, why we digest them so easily. I'm desperately trying to get um, a piece about this commission, so please can someone commission me? Because I've even bought a book called The World Made Meme, which I keep telling Dolly about, and there's like a resounding silence when I try and tell her about it. Um, but did you know, oh, you didn't know this, I, I'm telling you though. Tell me. Uh, that um, The word meme was actually coined by Richard Dawkins in 1976. Really? For yeah. Very, until very recently, I thought it was meme. Yes, I, so do some of my friends still. Um, friends who clearly don't spend much time online. Um, but Ryan Milner, who wrote the book, um, calls memes the lingua franca of online life and one which is depressingly dominated by Kanye West and uh, Donald Trump. So You're such a little zeitgeist dork, I love you. I, I, that's what I mean, though. You love old, I love young. Yeah. <laughs> I think basically the message of this video and this meme and how people have responded to it is I think we've got to pick our battles at what we should be mm. outraged about. There are so many more important things we should be getting cross and worried FGM. about. FGM. This is literally, I know I sound like um, Spike in Notting Hills going, what, when there are children starving in the Sudan? Well, I but kind like, of think, yes. FGM. Like, I just think, <laughs> period. And also, our default can't be to hate straight white men all of them, all of the time. We can't match misogyny with misandry. There has to be some rational, compassionate, case-by-case thought. I think both he and his wife, they seem like a lovely family. I think they handled the situation with good humour and grace. And I think it's a heartwarming snapshot of family life as well as being very funny. Yeah, and you must... It's much better than Charlie bit my finger as well. Um, But you must read the New York Times piece. We'll put it on the Twitter. It's really lovely. And the family portrait is also very sweet. They just look a bit shell-shocked the last week. It's obviously being quite exhausting. Um, yeah, onto a topic that's had a lot of airtime this week. So the SNP MP, Mari Black, has been talking about how she may quit Westminster politics. So the 22-year-old has been the MP for Paisley and Renfrewshire South since... 2015. So according to The Guardian, the youngest MP elected to Parliament in more than 350 years has said she may not stand for a second term because she hates Westminster and so little gets done. I am taken aback by, in the first instance, how patronising some folk were, and the second instance, how sexist people were, and it's subtle sexism. It's what sort of, do you have any examples? You know, just the, the arrogance and the darlings and the, oh, don't worry yourself and all that's rubbish, you know. It's so excluded from reality. It's unbelievable. A bubble. Ah, it's a total world unto itself. I think it's a, a totally defunct institution that has to drag itself out of the 21st century if it, ha- if it has any hope of surviving. Daisy Buchanan, a journalist, tweeted the high-low this week and asked us to talk about it. She was interested to hear our thoughts. To quote Daisy, as I think she sums up a common thought, I think she's such a vital voice and if we don't have radical reform in terms of how the House of Common works, we're going to lose the people who should be going into politics. She's called House of Common a boys club, which we all knew, but it's not just about her leaving. It's about the impenetrable culture off-putting many young, brilliant people. I agree with that, but I don't think her statement is necessarily addressing that. I think it sounds a bit like it's taking me too long and I'm not, I, I'm not doing what I want and it's not where I want and I don't I don't like some of my colleagues I think that's how it comes off 
I agree with Daisy. It's interesting. I was listening to The Guilty Feminist the other day. Deborah Francis White was doing this bit talking about women in comedy and she made this point that I think you could equally apply to politics. She said, yes, we have got some women in comedy, but the environment is still so male dominated and the attitude is, is still so, well, you have to fit into our old system rather than us making any effort to integrate you that it's so, so hard to make any headway. And basically, just because you're there doesn't mean change is, is going to happen. And when a woman gets booked on a comedy panel show as the only woman, the other blokes, you know, they're relaxed. They know the ropes. It's their old gang. There's a bunch of them. They sort of just breeze through. Whereas for a woman, it's like a job interview, not just like for not just for that night, for the rest of her career and on behalf of all women everywhere. And then people say, well, they've been given an opportunity and they're not doing very well at it, are they? Like, I, I sort of feel like we're, we're in between a rock and a hard place and I don't know how to combat it, I think. I don't think anyone... But the thing is, is no-one's telling her that she's necessarily doing a bad job, not more than they're telling lots of MPs. You know, she's withdrawing herself, and I do wonder, it makes me think about emotional resilience and how that really does come with age, and I wonder if she'd be quitting age 32 after two tough years in Parliament. I'm not being ageist at all, um, and I don't think, you know, her talent and her knowledge is um, undeniable. Millennials are shaping the world right now. I think it'd be great to have someone who's 22 in in Parliament, but I do think that an emotional education is is the slowest one to come, and I do wonder if that's why at age 22 she's going, OK, well, this is a bit difficult. I don't but, like the people I work maybe, with. But maybe she doesn't want to fight. Maybe she just wants to get on with her job. She seems like a... But you have to fight. It's politics. She seems like a fighter. She's, well, I think she has to fight harder than every other MP, though. She's a 22-year-old working-class Scottish woman. If she feels passionately enough about it, stay. You're exactly where you should be. You know, saying that Westminster is crap isn't getting you anywhere if you leave it, you know people are just going okay well clearly you want to be in Holyrood so you have to be in it to change it and I'm not saying I would have a clue this isn't me saying that I think people Mm. could do it better I'm encouraging her to channel that anger use your age use your power and and change the world you're seeing that's the only way it's not going to evolve if 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 you don't stick in well part of me I do agree with that but then another part of me is like well should she be this great warrior just to have her voice heard like maybe she just wants to do her fucking job like maybe she maybe she just wants to represent her party and her people yeah but that's a bit like saying as a journalist but I just want to do my writing I don't want to have to do emails and I don't want to have to do rewrites and meet annoying editors but what she's saying is she doesn't feel comfortable there and she hates the environment and she feels nothing gets done then then leave but I think that that's I I think that to try and devolve all that responsibility for feeling like that away from you is not quite right because the only way she will change it is trying to change it. Do you see what I mean? I, I think by saying, oh, well, it's a bit far to go and I don't like it and I don't like the people there. Like, there were always going to be odious people well, in Parliament. She's got, she's, I was reading The Scotsman today, actually, and there was a comment piece where they were saying it's absolutely essential that we have her there. And the Guardian letters page were all letters from people saying, don't let the bastards get you down, basically. So she's got the support of so many yeah. people well, who listen, understand how I difficult don't, it I is, don't, but I we don't, don't have to do the job. No, I don't agree. I don't agree with her politics, but I do absolutely agree that voices like hers um, need to be represented. I hope she sees a way through it and I don't know can figure out how to make her commute and her time with a load of old people she doesn't like a bit more enjoyable um on to bridesmaids 
A natural so, segue. Um, I, re- I got sent this amazing press release this week. Simply B uh, quoted that the average bridesmaid spends 43 hours on being a bridesmaid and that if it was a paid endeavour, then the average bridesmaid would earn over £350 a week, which is slightly dark. Anyway, I find this statistic hilarious. I don't know what the hell the bridesmaid's doing. Sort of hand-stitching the dress. Have you ever been a bridesmaid, Dolly? I have, yes. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. <laughs> I was bridesmaid for my friend Alex uh, in New York three years ago i was bridesmaid two years ago for my friend sarah in france i'm a bridesmaid this september for my friend Lacey. have you ever been you haven't been a bridesmaid seven times but as a as little a girl none kid. as an adult thank god got absolutely no I'm desire surprised by that actually Abs- i'd say no no desire to walk down an <laughs> aisle in a lavender no. i have i don't want to, i think it's weird seeing grown-up um bridesmaids walking down the aisle i don't want to be wearing a lavender slip dress that clings to my hips and sort of accidentally standing on the bridesmaid's dress rather than adorable little mute cheruby children um shuffling after her i only had tiny bridesmaids myself i'm I'm not into adult bridesmaids i know i was waiting for the call (laughs) um i'm still fascinated by the statistic wedding fairs are the most time-consuming task taking an average of 13 hours i don't know anyone that's been to a wedding fair um organizing a hen party takes 11 hours (laughs) hell yeah i know that this is really really like miserly like if you have a friend like this who's going well i actually spent totting it up yeah i'm looking at it now in fifth place was attending hair and makeup trials which bridesmaids spend five hours on dress fitting six hours despite this 74 percent said they enjoyed the process those bitches are lying only 74 percent should it be that onerous I've been really lucky. I've the, all the women I've been bridesmaid for haven't been bridezillas at all. Most of them um, have let us wear our own dresses. Sarah got had a dress designed for me that was very flattering and gorgeous. It was all very relaxed. It was all very fun. We drank champagne on the morning. It was just I, I've loved being a bridesmaid. Hindus have been gorgeous. Um, I have heard horror stories. This is this is like a friend of a friend story. So it could be just one of those like urban Made legends. But apparently, there's a girl in an extended circle not far from me. That makes it sound like a cult. I just mean a friend of a friend who uh, didn't have one of her best friends as a bridesmaid because she didn't fit in with the aesthetical What, her body type? Her aesthetic theme. Her body type? Body type, hair hair, colour. Are they still friends? Um, I think so. But she was very (laughs) honest about it and she said you'll sort of ruin the pictures. (gasps) That's lunatic-y. Um, um, but the thing that I find strange about being a bridesmaid, and I've seen I've seen this happen with other brides, is that there's this odd notion that all the bridesmaids have to have this sort of transcendental bonding process. Which is why you shouldn't have adult bridesmaids. Which is like where they have to have a sort of rehearsal Hindu, and then sort of three dinners before the rehearsal Hindu, and sometimes a week that, away. I can see you'd complain so about. So they That's like. So hours. they like have to get to know each other. Like they have to be like blood brothers because of this. Like spending one day together. Spending That's one day a very together. Ameri- That's a very American thing, though. I think obviously all I can all I can think about is bridesmaids, where they. Yes, there was, exactly. There was such pressure for them to all be together. They had to shit themselves together. It was like... <laughs> yeah, but it's like, it doesn't need to be, you know, the thing no. that will... Organising a kind of lolzy life drawing of a naked man in a pub in Tooting and then having some, like, very overpriced afternoon tea for a Hindu. Like, you don't have to become family because of that experience. <laughs> so it's time now for some emails from readers. If you want to send us an email, and we would love that, thank you very much, it is show at gmail.com. We won't be able to read them all out, but Dolly will be replying to them all. I will be replying to all of you, my loves. I'm sorry Um, I haven't so far. (laughs) Do you want to read out the first one? To Dolly and Pandora, how can I escape the feeling that I will only live an ordinary life and not be able to do anything remotely interesting or remarkable? 
feeling a bit existential. Oh, darling, I think feeling a bit existential might have to become my new social media bio. Um, Without being patronising, I'm wondering how old you are, because I used to feel like this age 15, 16, 17, 18. In fact, probably only really stopped at age 29. Um, No, we all get it. Some days you feel like utter shit and some days you feel like the world is your oyster. Um, And not to sound too trite, but, you know, we are all pretty ordinary. And even if life is just a bit better than ordinary some days, that's pretty great. I don't want to be reductive, but this email screamed hangover to me. (laughs) This is Dolly on her period. Um, Yes. Did you write it? (laughs) I wrote it too. Imagine if I'd written it to the high low show at gmail.com. Uh, we've all been there, babe. What I would say is ask yourself what remarkable and interesting is because sometimes I think the temptation is to think the only life worth living is a sort of highly Instagrammable one that's really high octane and really exciting and gorgeous and sexy. A remarkable life can be one where you just surround yourself with interesting, kind, clever, lovely people who make you your greatest self, who teach you things. Um, A remarkable life can be doing good deeds every day with thought and kindness. Um, It can be enjoying, you know, your body and... Plucking a good chin hair. Which you're doing right now. You have no shame, do you? (laughs) In front of Charlie, the producer, as well. Um, A remarkable life can be, you know... Dancing like no one is watching. I feel like Dolly could go on for days. So in short, maybe adjust your parameters of what you expect from life. I agree. Take, take, take the rough with the smooth. There's a, there's and a enjoy nice life's simple pleasures. I would eat a bloody burrata and That's dance to pleasure. some uh, sister sledge with your mates. That's a remarkable life. Another question. Is it okay to hate selfies of myself? Whenever a friend or someone I follow posts a selfie on Instagram or Facebook, I always make sure I like it because I think they're so brave to put a picture of themselves out there to be judged. Oh, it's a nice, nice friend. Um, should I continue to avoid selfies because they make me feel so uncomfortable? Or would you recommend doing it as a kind of exercise to get over this weird hatred? I think don't do anything you don't want to do. You can love yourself and not have to like selfies of yourself. In fact, this whole notion of self-love, I think we need to re-examine. I think it's, I think it's too ambitious and too lofty and a bit unnecessary to say you have to love the way that you look. This is an entirely different uh, topic altogether, but I had a naked photo shoot. I've seen the pictures. Today. Pandora saw the pictures. I think they look like pictures that Sally Burko did in her youth. That the, cheeky. Ta- that the tabloids <laughs> print many years later. Um, and I don't love the photos, and that's fine, but I'm not having a meltdown about I love it. Them. Thanks, babe. I'm not having a meltdown about it because I think I look quite smiley, I look quite young and happy and alive, and like that's fine. You can be just okay with the way that you look. It's far more important to really love the things that you do and the things that you think. And... It's it's more important to have, be someone that has integrity and does something that they're proud of. So if posting a selfie will make you feel embarrassed of yourself, that will make you feel like shit and that won't perpetuate self-love. Yeah, I mean, both of us take a lot of selfies. Um, we're not fascinated by our own reflection, but we are fascinated enough to document it regularly. <laughs> <laughs> Normally with a self-deprecating caption to sort of um, allay the fears of doing out. so. No, oh God. I mean, seriously, of all the things to hate, hating selfies is just not a big deal. If you do, if you hate them, don't bother. No one should be forced to enjoy taking pictures of themselves. In fact, I bet your friends will probably like you more yes, exactly. for not posting them. There are bigger issues to have and you're probably a much nicer person for it. So not endlessly taking selfies. Of and also, you know, I like documenting life with loads of stuff, with selfies, plates of food, pages of books, outfits sunsets it's fun whatever but you know there are many other ways to document life I would also like to say uh, the nude photo shoot I realised I brought up with no context it was for a 
article for a magazine. I thought it was my birthday present. Unfortunately, we haven't got time for any more questions. We did have a few more, but we've gone over. We always go over. So Maybe we'll us. save them for next week. Um, we'll save them for next week. Thank you so much to Wise Buddha Studios for letting us uh, use their facilities today. Please do follow us on Twitter at The Hilo Show and you can email us thehiloshow at gmail.com. Dolly, any parting words? I'd like to thank Lauren Benstead for our snazzy jingle, which our is going jingle. down so well You're on gonna social media. You're going to hear it now. It's coming. It's coming now. Here Goodbye. it comes. Bye. Bye. 